0: Well, you can go ahead and be seated and praise the Lord. God is wonderful. And so I want to share the Word of God with you today. How many of you are ready for the Word? And uh, I'm going to talk with you this morning about the great exchange and the reason why the truth the principle is so important is we need to realize that when we received life we gave up bondage we gave up death we gave up what the enemy wants to bring into our life and so there's a there's an exchange that takes place and, and the purpose of this exchange is it's to bring change. The exchange is to bring change. How about that, I'm a poet. But the exchange is to bring change. And, and so, um, for us to live the Christian life, uh, change is part of it. I, I mean, it's part of every Christian's life is that, that, that there is change that takes place. And, and so as a Christian, we're not static. The thing we need to understand is in the kingdom of God, uh, it, it isn't static. It isn't stagnant. It doesn't just sit there. You know, we're either moving towards God or we're moving away from God. There's nothing stagnant in the kingdom of God. And that's why we always emphasize the importance of continuing in the word of God. You know, we all know what it says in Romans ten seventeen that faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. <clears throat> but in the Greek, that's in the continuous present tense. And so what that means is we're to continue to hear the Word of God, because that Word that we hear is going to continue to bring about change in our lives. And so where we are today is not where we want to be tomorrow. There there's to be constant change that's taken place in our life, and that, that comes through the Word of God. It brings about it. It causes those adjustments in our life. And it's not a matter of willpower. It's not about us trying to do it. It's about us being willing to cooperate with the Holy Spirit. You know, <clears throat> I, I've shared this with you before. The first individual that I had ever heard use that term was Jimmy Rushton, he's gone home to be with the Lord now. But he talked about how we need to cooperate with the Holy Spirit because he wants to work things in our life. And so we cooperate with him. And and that's where our obedience, if you want to use that term, that's where that comes in, is because we're cooperating with him. We're working with him. We acknowledge him and we acknowledge his word but it's not just simply enough to acknowledge God's Word and that we believe it. We also act upon it. We begin to move upon it. We, we believe it so strongly that we begin to move in that direction. And that's a, it's, a, it's an instrument that brings into our life spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. And once again, I want to emphasize the fact that <clears throat> we're not where we want to be. There isn't any of us uh, that have arrived. If we think that we've arrived spiritually, we're in a very bad place. We're in a very dangerous place. Because the moment that we think that we've arrived, that we've got a hold of it all, we're in a place where God can no longer move, God can no longer speak in our lives, because what's He gonna tell us? We already know it all. So one of the things that we need to always keep fresh in in our thinking is that we are growing in the things of God. And it's a process that we continue through. It's a process that we, we go through. So if you've got your Bibles, it'll be up on the overhead as well. Guess we don't call those overheads anymore, they're projectors. <clears throat> but uh, in Proverbs, the sixth chapter and the 33rd verse, and I'm gonna read this out of the Amplified. It says, for the commandment is a lamp. And this is talking about the Word of God. For the commandment is a lamp. And the whole teaching is light. And reproofs of discipline are the ways of life. Reproof is another word for change. Change is part of life. You know, uh, I I realize it that uh, uh, through all life we continue to experience change. You know, this year I'm going to be 70, and I'm still experiencing change. Some of it I'm not enjoying so much. But I'm still continuing to experience change. Physically we do. But spiritually we do as well. If we don't continue to experience change, that means that we've come to a place where there's no longer growth. You know, we hear in the scriptures and we see the word reproof and we really don't understand it. I think in the past, when I ever heard, whenever I heard the word reproof, I always thought of it from the standpoint of, of discipline or correction or something like that. But really, it basically just means that there's, there's change. You know, we, we reproof our children, why? Because we want there to be change in their behavior, whatever it may be. And so it, it's talking about change. <clears throat> change is part of life. You know, if, we're, if we grow up and we're never willing to receive correction, we'll never mature. You find an individual that will never receive correction and you find an individual that always stays the same and the, the difficulties that that individual has in his life or her life, they will continue to be there. Why? Because they refuse to accept correction. They, re- they refuse to recognize that there needs to be change in their life. You know, after 50 years, Pastor Becky and our marriage has, has uh, been, been a lot of changes. And it's been because she's basically been willing to receive reproof. <laughs> and if you believe that, I've got another story for you. But no, both of us, there, there's been change there. And, and that's how it is in all of our lives. <clears throat> Dr. Cole said this, Change is not change until there's change. And a lot of times we want things to be stagnant. We want things to stay the same. But you know what? We really don't. Why would we want to go back to the way that things were when there's so much more in front of us? And so we need to focus on what what he's done, what he's provided for us. Let's look at the book of James in the book of James, the first chapter, and again, I'm going to read it out of the Amplified, but I'm going to begin <clears throat> uh, in, in verse 21. You see, <clears throat> what we're seeing as we're going through this when we, we talk about exchange, you know, in the book of Romans, it talks about, in in, in other places in, in the epistles, it talks about how uh, we're to put on Christ. But you know, before you can put on Christ, you have to take off the old man. And, and what's interesting about the terminology that's there, it's the same kind of terminology that would be used if you, were, if you were changing your clothing. Now, I don't know about you, maybe you're all different. But you know, if I'm gonna, if I'm gonna change my clothing, I take what I have off and I put on something different. That's that's what it means to change. But that's how it is in our lives as well. When there's change that takes place, that means there's something that we have to take off. The Bible talks about the old man. We take the old man off. Why? So that we can put the new man on. But you know, a lot of people, they, they wanna keep the old man and they just wanna try to put on the new. The problem is it just doesn't work out very well. In fact, it doesn't work at all. And so when we're talking about the great exchange, what we're talking about is we're giving up the old life so that we can have a new life in Christ Jesus. James 1.21, Amplified. So get rid of all uncleanliness and the rapid outgrowth of wickedness. And in a humble, gentle, modest spirit, receive and welcome, The Word of God, which implanted and rooted in your hearts, contains the power to save your soul. You know, the soul is our mind, will, and our emotions. The moment that we're born again, we're a threefold man. The moment that you're born again, your spirit man is born again. That's the new you. But our soul which is our mind, will, and emotions, the Bible says that we have to renew that. Romans 12, 2 says that we're to renew our minds by the word of God. And that's where the change begins to take place. But you know, it's an interesting thing. We had an exchange student a few years ago, and, uh, and uh, she ate everything in the house. And uh, we, 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 we locked our freezer because she would, go in the freezer and just eat stuff and she was she was putting on weight and, and <clears throat> she realized she needed to do something about that. And so she went and she bought some, um, some diet bars, you know, bars you eat when you're having a diet and so forth. And so what she would do is she would eat those diet bars in between the meals. Or if she ate the meal and then she'd have a, A diet bar. How many of you know, I mean, I like the theory behind it. But how many of you know, that's not gonna work? You know, because for the bars to work, that means you gotta cut something else out of your diet. Like everything. You know, but she didn't do that, but she just wanted to put on something new. Oftentimes, Christians, they don't understand why their their Christian walk isn't working. It's because they've tried to put on over what they already have, rather than recognize that change means, not only am I bringing something into my life, but I'm taking something out of my life. That's where real change comes in, and that's what James is talking about here, where he says uncleanliness, uh, wickedness, all of these things with humility, we're to take and put those things aside and take the Word of God and make that priority the priority in our lives. And it says that when we do that, it has the power to save our soul. What does that mean? Changes our thinking, changes the way we view things, changes the way that we operate in life. You know, <clears throat> our operation in life, the change isn't supposed to just simply be because we have great willpower. Because if we're doing it just simply out of willpower, we will eventually revert back. But when we take the word of God and we allow the word of God to have its place in our life, that word begins to bring change into our lives. In other words, it works on our want to. The things that we once did, we don't want to do it anymore. The things that we didn't do, now we want to do it. How many of you know it's easy to do something when you want to? You know, when I was in school, I loved football. It was easy for me to go to the games. It was easy for me to go to practice. Now, studying was a different issue. I didn't have any want to. And so I would avoid it like the plague and my grades generally revealed that. But see, The want to has to change on the inside of us. If we're going to serve joy, serve God with joy, because that's what we're supposed to do, amen? It's not supposed to be a drudgery to be a Christian. Oh, I'm just a Christian just trying to make it through life. Woe is me. Well, you know what? It's not supposed to be that way. It's to be a joy in our life. Why? Because of what Jesus has done for us, because of the revelation that we have of what Jesus has done for us. We see the working of the Word in our life, and it brings about change. But be doers of the Word, obey the message, and not merely hit listeners to it. Betraying yourselves into deception by reasoning contrary to the truth. See, until the word becomes alive to us, we'll reason it away. There'll be all kinds of excuses why it it doesn't apply to me or why it doesn't work to me. For if anyone only listens to the word without obeying it and being a doer of it, he's like the man who looks carefully at his own natural face in the mirror. For he thoughtfully observes himself and then goes off and promptly forgets what he is like. You know, you can look in the mirror before you leave the house, but if the, well, let me put this for some of you, you, you leave the house and the wind will blow your hair and, you know, when you get here, you don't, you don't know what it looks like. I pretty much know what mine looks like. You know, but some of you, you know, it it can be completely changed, why? Because of the wind, you're not looking in the mirror. And that's how it is with the Word of God. We look into the Word of God and we see that, greater is He that is in me that is in the world. That I'm a brand new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away, all things have become new. That I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And when I'm looking into the Word of God and I see those things, I'm looking into that mirror and that's what reflects back to me and that's how I begin to see myself. But you know what, the moment that I walk away from there, somebody cuts me off, somebody says something nasty to me, somebody looks at me wrong and all of a sudden my attitude begins to change and what happens, I revert back to Why? Because I forget what manner of man I was. And that's why we're to constantly keep the Word of God before us. And I'm not saying we're to walk around with our Bible in front of us all the time. I mean, it's dangerous driving that way. But we can have the thoughts of it. If we've read it in the morning, if we've spent some time thinking on the Word of God, in situations that Word will rise up in our heart. But we've got to have it there before it's going to come forth. And so he says, If anyone thinks himself to be religious, piously observant of the external duties of his faith, and does not bridle his tongue, but deludes his own heart, the person's religious service is worthless, futile, barren. He's saying if all that we do is have a talk, you know, we always have this saying, don't just simply talk to talk, walk the walk. You know, and, and what that's saying is, is, is all that, if all we do is talk religion, it's, it's, just, it's just a bunch of words. It's not going to have an impact upon my life, and it's not going to have an impact upon the lives of individuals around us. You know, and that's why oftentimes people say, well, you know, those churches are just full of a bunch of hypocrites. My favorite quote is from Sister Angelica on the Catholic Channel, and she was receiving call-ins one day and, uh, and, uh, and letters and stuff, and she got a letter one day, and this, this individual says, Sister, I would go to church, but it's full of hypocrites. And her answer was, oh, honey, don't worry about it. There's always room for one more. <laughs> I guess you don't appreciate it as much as I did. But I, I just, I just, I thought it was hilarious. Yeah. But see, the, the truth of the matter is, why, why do people oftentimes have that opinion? Because we talk a lot. But the actions aren't there. We need to have more than just talk. We need to have actions. In other words, we need to live it. External religious worship. Religion is an expression of the inward acts. You see, we had a lot of people comment about um, the team in Honduras, about their service and how they they gave so much and so forth. and I, I got this revelation about them. When they served us, it was just an extension of what they had already done, what they already doing. Every one of those individuals that were serving us when we were on our mission team, every one of those individuals were, were serving on Sunday mornings. They were serving on Wednesday night. Uh, they were serving in between. Anytime there was a need that was there, you can ask Sarah and Edward about that and they will tell you they're, they're, they're constantly serving. But, but why why was it so that it was like they picked it up and they were just able to serve it? Because it was part of them. I see it with people in this church. There's individuals, if there's a need, they're the first ones that are there. They just, they just pick up the slack. Why do they do that? Because it's in them. It's a part of who they are. And if we just serve because you know, there's a sign-up sheet and somebody's got to. You'll do your duty, but it won't be coming from your heart because it's not coming from the inside. You know, people talk about Pastor Becky all the time and about her cooking and it, it just, you know, you need to get her out of the kitchen and so forth. Well, you just try it. You know, you'll get whooped, you know, because that's what she wants to do. Why? Because it's in her. And so it isn't, you know, it's, it's nice that she wants to serve you. But it's in her. That's why she does it. Why do we serve God? Is it because we've got a bunch of regulations that have been laid down? No, it's because it's in us. Or it ought to be in us. And if it isn't in us, that means we have a shortage of the Word of God. We, have, we are Word of God deficient. If there isn't a desire in us, to serve God and to serve one another with a whole heart. If it's obligation, if it's responsibility, it's because I signed on the line. It isn't because it's in my heart. You know, God so loved the world that he gave Jesus. But guess what? He didn't do it because it was a suggestion. Father God gave Jesus because it was on the inside of him. Because he longed, to have fellowship with you and me. And so I don't know how long he thought on it. You're telling me God thinks? Well, so? he must. We do. We're created in his image. He dwelt on it, and there was a longing on the inside of him to be able to have fellowship with you and I, for there to be intimacy between you and I and God. He longed for it. It was part of who he that's why he never turns us away he welcomes us no matter how badly we screw up God doesn't turn his back on us why because he loves us because it's a part of who he is God is love and you know what if we've been created in his image and if we have his words on the inside of us we begin to be people of love because we've been created in his in, in his image External religious worship, religion as it is expressed in outward acts that is pure and unblemished in the sight of God the Father is this, to visit and to help and care for the orphans, the widows in their affliction and need and to keep oneself spotless and uncontaminated from the world. And so why do we do that? Because we love him. Why do we love him? Because we're his, and we're created in his image, and we have his word on the inside of us, which is life. But see, what this is saying, this doesn't begin in the external. It begins on the inside. When we begin to try to change from the outside in, that's where we fail because we're trying to do it in our own ability. But when we begin to change from the inside out, when it's through God's word on the inside of us, working to the outside, when that change begins to take place in our life, we begin to live our life in obedience to God, not because we feel this obligation, but because we want to, we want to serve Him. Already quoted from it in Romans 12, 2, but I wanna read it out of the Amplified. And it says, do not be conformed to this world. Conformed means that we're all, we're all kinda cookie cutter. We all kinda look the same. We may look differently, but we, we look the same because we act the same. And that's how the world wants us to be. Wants us to think a certain way, it wants us to act a certain way, wants us to look a certain way. And that's what conformity is, when we begin to conform to the world. And it says, do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by by the entire renewing of your mind. You see, we go the direction of our thinking you think negatively, and your actions are going to be negative. But you think, you think positively, and it, it changes the way that you act. And, and, and the thing about it is, neither one of them may totally change the circumstances, but it's, but it's the way that we approach it. It's, it's kind of the can-do attitude. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But I don't get that attitude as I look to the world, as I look to the circumstances around me. I've gotta focus my attention upon God and upon what He wants to do in my life. But be transformed, changed by the entire renewing of your mind, by its new ideas and its new attitude so that you may prove for yourself what is the good, acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in His sight for you. And so it happens when we begin to renew our minds and we begin to change the way that we we think, we begin to carry out the plan that God has for each each and every one of us in our lives. But you know what? In our own thinking... In our worldly thinking, we will always fall short of what God wants to perform, what He wants to do in our life. We will always cut ourselves short because we're trusting in self rather than putting our trust, our confidence in Him. Most of you have heard my testimony, how I I grew up with a sense of inferiority and insecurity. I saw myself as being stupid. I saw myself as being dumb. I I, I couldn't read, you know, when my kids were little, I could hardly even read a a storybook to them because I couldn't pronounce all the words, didn't feel confident. And so, God calls me into the ministry. I say, God, you know, you really messed up this time because this is an absolute impossibility. I can't do it. I'm too stupid. I can't read. I'm afraid to get up in front of people. I mean, the fact that I'm standing here this morning, that's probably one of the greatest miracles that you've ever experienced in your life. And Everybody's thinking, boy, I wish we had fewer miracles. <laughs> you know, but the but, but thing is, is I was looking at myself. And I remember the, the night in the little assemblies of God's church down in, Ankeny, Iowa, where this pastor prayed over me that I was to step into the ministry that I knew that I'd been called to since I was six years old, but I'd rebelled and walked away from it, knowing that I couldn't possibly do that. And he prayed for me that night, and that night I go home and I'm laying in bed, and I'm I'm informing God. You ever do that with God, inform him? Not a good idea. I'm informing him as to the mistake that he made that this can't possibly be so. And I gave him the whole list of all the reasons why this can't possibly be. And so I'm laying there and he drops a scripture into my heart and he gives me the message. I see myself preaching the message, going through the whole thing. And at the end of it, he says, see, you don't have to do it. You just have to let me do it through you. But you know what? As long as you're looking at self, He will never be able to do it through you because you will always limit God. If you can do it, you ain't reached God's point yet because he's got something for each and every one of us that's above and beyond what we could ever ask or think. Let me tell you something. The thought in my life of being able to pastor for 38 years and to be able to pastor this church for 36 years was above and beyond what I I could ever think, dream, or imagine. But guess what? God's not a respecter of person. He's got the same dream. He's got the same purpose for each and every one of us in this room. But you know what? We've gotta change our thinking. We've got to stop being conformed to the world and accepting what they have to say about us and about the circumstances around us. We have to rise above that in the name of Jesus and walk in the fullness of what he has for us. The word transformation, the reason that it's so important, we get the word metamorphosis from it, or it comes from that word. And it talks about a transformation. It's like the caterpillar that turns into the cocoon and then into the butterfly. That's what we are. And that that worm had nothing to do with it. And you may feel like a miserable worm crawling through life, but let me tell you something, God wants to turn you into something beautiful if you'll give him but an opportunity to do so. And you don't have to do it in your strength. You just have to get in a place where you're willing to receive the word of God and then be obedient to that word. And he changes us from the inside out. That's the God we serve. He has a purpose for all of us. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, the 21st verse, I hate clocks. I just absolutely hate clocks. <clears throat> clocks are the devil. <laughs> in heaven, there aren't going to be any clocks. Praise the Lord. Ephesians 4.21, Amplified. Assuming that you have really heard him and been taught by him, as all truth is in Jesus, embodied, personified in him, strip yourself of your former nature. Put off. Discard your old, unrenewed self. Put it off. You know, we're so afraid to put it off. Well, Pastor, if, you know, if, I, if I put that old life behind me, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll tell you what you're going to do. You're going to be happy. You're going to have peace in your life. You're going to have a whole new future that looks totally different. You may say, Well, I'm not sure I want that. Yeah, you do. We just don't realize it. Discard that old, unrenewed self, which characterized your previous manner of life and becomes corrupt through lust and desires that spring from delusion. What's delusion? Delusion is when you think something's going to make you happy, make your life and you're deluded because it's not gonna do it. There's no substance to it. And be constantly renewed in the spirit of your mind, having a fresh mental and spiritual attitude, and put on the new nature, the regenerated self created in God's image, God-like, in true righteousness and holiness, Therefore, reject all falsely and being done, uh, none, being done with it. Let everyone express the truth with his neighbor. For you're all part of one body and members one of another. And so there's two parts to it. You discard the old and you put on the new. And you know, the thing about it is, and this is why the word of God is so important, It makes us aware of the old. And it makes us extremely aware of the new. And so when the old tries to rise up, we can say, no, I have have nothing to do with that. That's my old life. That's, That's the old man. I have a new man in Christ Jesus. And in that new man, old things have passed away, all things have become new. You know, in Genesis 1, Verses 26 and 27, it tells us that we were created in the image of God. We're created in his His likeness. You know, and so it's talking about uh, mankind. It's not, it's not, when it talks about man there, it's not talking about male. And so it's talking about male and female. That we've been created in the image of God, and in his image, We can can do all things. We can accomplish all things. There's there's nothing that God has told us that we can do that we can't do. So we have to be convinced that he's true to his word. And, And the way that we get convinced is by spending time in his word. In 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, old things have passed away. All things have become new. So, we are a brand new man in Christ Jesus. And you say, well, Pastor, <clears throat> you know, I still got the same old wrinkles I've always had and, you know, and this, that. No, I'm talking about your spirit, man. You're a new man in Christ Jesus. And as we renew our minds, we give that man that's on the inside of us opportunity to have expression in our life. And when he begins to express in our life, everything around us, it begins to change. You know, in Numbers 13, we don't have time to read it this morning, but you can read it for yourself. Numbers 13, beginning about the 26th verse and then skip to the 30th verse and read to the end of the chapter. But it's talking about when the children of Israel came out of Egypt and they were going to go into the land of promise and God had basically said to the children of Israel, go in and see if the land isn't just as I said it was. And the, the spies went into the land and they came back. And Caleb came back and he had, a, he had a good report, a positive report. And Caleb says, the land's just as God said it would be. It's a land of plenty. It's a land that flows with milk and honey. And he says, let's go in. Let's possess the land. But then the others that went in, they came back, the other 10, they come back, and they said, well, <laughs> there's giants in the land. And uh, they, were, they were big, and their cities were fortified. And, and they, we, were, we were like grasshoppers in our own eyes, and so we were in theirs. Notice where it began was how they saw themselves. They saw themselves defeated. And all that their defeat did was add fuel to the enemy. And so they came back with a majority report, which was contrary to the word of God. And they said, they're too big, they're too strong, we can't do it. Joshua and Caleb says, come on, come on, guys, we can do it. We can possess the land, we can do what God said we can do. But the children accepted the majority report. You know, their journey from Egypt to the land of promise was an 11 day journey. And it took them 40 years because they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. How many times have we wandered in the wilderness for a length of time because we were unwilling to enter in to the promise that was made to us by God. I don't know about you, I've wandered in the wilderness long enough. I'm determined to wander no longer. Pastor, you've been in the wilderness? Let let me tell you something. Every one of us, we have an area where we struggle with the wilderness. We've not got the revelation of Jesus, and that's why, let me tell you something. We don't ever have to worry about getting bored with the things of God because there will always be something more for us to see that we've never seen before. Most of you have heard me share this, but I remember hearing, I think it was Norval Hayes that shared this. And he was talking about faith. And he was talking about faith from the standpoint that you will never, ever get to the point where you'll know everything that there is to know about faith. And he says faith is like a diamond. And he says a diamond is multifaceted. And every time you turn that diamond, you see a facet of that diamond that you've never seen before. That's how it is with the Word of God. That's how it is with the things of God. That's how it is with faith. We will always see another facet of faith, a facet of God that we've never ever seen before. I heard somebody share this one time. They're talking about heaven and they're talking about the elders, how they encircle the throne of God. And every time they would come around the throne of God, they fall on their face before God and they cry out, Holy, holy, holy art thou God Almighty. Where of the praise, honor, and glory? And he said the reason that he, they do that is every time they come around the throne of God, they see a facet of God that they've never seen before God's pain. God's mighty, and we, with our little pea brains, we limit him, we limit in what he can do in us, what he can do through us, what he wants to do for us, let's remove the limits, let's take the limits off. One last scripture, in Mark the fourth chapter of the 23rd verse, talks about us having hearing ears, you know, it's really sad when you got ears and you can't hear. That's the place where a lot of people are. They've got ears to hear, but they don't hear what the Word has to say. But in Mark 4:23 it says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, take heed. In other words, be careful what you're listening to. Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. Think about this. The more you hear, the more you hear. It's not like ice cream. As much as you love ice cream, you can only handle so much. But with the Word of God, the more you hear, the more you hear. And the more you hear, the more you hear. And the more you hear, the more you hear. I want to hear. I don't want to hear with these earballs. I want to hear with what really matters. I want to hear with my heart. I want to hear what God is really saying because God has some things to say to me and God has some things to say to you. But we've got to hear. You know, they say you're hearing is the first thing to go and You know, there's certain restaurants, I just, I just don't want to go to them. Because it's all brick and stuff, and, and so we're sitting there, and if we're sitting with, with family or friends or whatever, and they start they're talking about all kinds of things, and this is what I hear. Because I I hear, but I can't hear. There's a lot of people they come to church, and what they hear is because they're not hearing. They think they're hearing, but they're not hearing. And when we hear, it's gonna produce change in our life. Change that will change everything around us. Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it'll be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has, to him more will be given. But whoever does not have even what he has will be taken away from him. And he said the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the, on the ground. And then it goes into the seed and the sower and that seed will grow up. And if we receive that seed into the soil, it's going to produce. And it says it'll produce 30, 60, A hundredfold. That means that when we get the Word of God on the inside of us, it's above and beyond what I would ever need. It means that I have a surplus so that I have more to give to others. And that's where God wants us to be in His kingdom. He wants us to be givers. Not just simply on the surface. He wants it coming from our heart, so that we minister life to all whom we come in contact with. That's the Jesus that we serve. The great exchange, what is it? We exchange that old, unproductive life for a life that is full of abundance, a life that is full, not just simply for self, but for those around us as well. Glory to God. We serve such a big God. Let's let's get the limits off. Religion wants to limit God. Religion wants to put God in a box where we can understand Him. Let me tell you something. God's too big for that. And if I could fully understand God... And if I had the answers for everything, I could write a book and I could be really, really, really rich. But you know what? I don't understand things. I haven't written a book. But I am really, 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 really rich. Because I have a God that lives on the inside of me that loves me. And so to each and every one of us in this room, take the limits off. Get out of your vocabulary. I can't. You know, there's there's an old preacher. He's still alive today. I see him on Facebook once in a while. But his name was Norval Hayes. He had this Bible school down in um, um, someplace in someplace <laughs> Tennessee, and Cleveland, Tennessee, and. Uh, <clears throat> Norval wasn't normal. He was, he was just, he was a wild man. And so he was doing a meeting at, at school one day and um, he, he started this prayer line and this girl was sitting in the front row and he says, go and play the piano. And she sat there and he said, go, go play the piano. And so she goes up and she sits behind the piano and, and she's just sitting there. And Norval looks, come on, come on, play something. And so, she started playing. And the whole place went completely bananas. Everybody is going crazy. And he doesn't know what's going on. He says, what's what's going on? What's what's happening? He says, well, that girl playing the piano. He says, yeah, she doesn't play the piano. And so he goes up and he says, so why did you play the piano? She says, because you told me to play the piano. And you told us in school that we can't ever say we can't. And so I had no choice but to play the piano. Now I'm not saying, I'm not going to ask anybody to go play the piano except Junior. Maybe I'll ask Junior to go play the piano. But see, we limit. Let's get the limits off. You say well God can never do that through me. You're right. Because you put a limit on him. You said that he can't. But you know what? He can if he speaks to you You can. You know the exciting thing about God? He'll never ask you to do something you can't do. You may not be able to do it in your own strength. But if he's asked you to do it, that means he's in a position to empower you to be able to do it. Well, I'm just rambling now, so we need to quit. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Aren't you glad you're saved? Glory to God. That's all there was. Knowing that we have a home in heaven. That'd be more than enough. But he's given us so much more. And so take the limits off. Because we serve a good God. So Father, we thank you today that we can gather in the precious name of Jesus. We thank you, Father, that you want to use each and every one of us for your purpose, for your glory. So Father, this morning we choose to yield to, submit to your word. That you might have your way in each of our lives. Father, we want you to receive all the honor, all the glory. We want you to receive it because you're worthy of it. And so, Father, this day, use us to influence the lives of others. Maybe just one individual that we can can encourage. Use us for that purpose, Father. Further your kingdom using us because we're vessels that are here for your purpose. And so we thank you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. And so as you go, go in His peace, go in His strength, go in His love, go in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit in the magnificent name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you. Give somebody a hug. Let them know you love them.